Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, guys? It's a live edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network. I'm Corey Burton. I'm flying solo. Got a lot to talk about. Let's get into it. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. It is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network. I'm Corey Burton. Not joining me is Israel Troop. He's uh, he's busy this week. He's getting a procedure done, uh, and uh, we'll see him back here next week, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about all of the issues plaguing, possibly plaguing, the Georgia Bulldogs, the, the good news, the bad news, the ugly news, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get into all of it. Um, as we uh, go along between now and the end of the season, which is the Orange Bowl matchup against Florida State. Show is presented by betonline.ag, your number one source for all of your sports wagering needs. If you want to bet it, betonline.ag has it. And uh, they and boy, do they have it. They have props, player props, uh, live odds, futures, whatever you want, whatever sport you want, whatever activity you want, betonline.ag has it. So what you need to do is head to the head to the website betonline.ag or on your mobile device. There should be an app that you should be able to download. Go to that and enter the promo code when you sign up. Enter the promo code believe that's B L E A V to get your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's believe B L E A V to get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. So betonline.ag. It's where the game starts. So, man, there's a lot, lot happening here uh, with uh, with UGA, with Georgia Bulldogs, with uh, Georgia football, uh, especially, and uh, lots happening. The most recent stuff that broke yesterday, it turned a lot of heads, created a lot of buzz. It's Dylan Rayola, Buford quarterback, number one quarterback in the country. Dylan Rayola is now a lot of people are forecasting him to flip his commitment to. Nebraska. Let me repeat that in case you guys didn't hear that right. Dylan Rayola may flip his commitment to Nebraska. It's going to come down to the wire here, Georgia and Nebraska. Now, the reason the reasoning would probably make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but the fact that he moved to Georgia to play at Buford is probably what has everybody up in a tizzy. The fact that it's Nebraska and they've been relatively irrelevant for a long time in the Big Ten, now they're going to land some big fish with, with potentially with Matt Rule. So what Matt Rule did was he hired Dylan Rayola's dad to be the offensive line coach. So that was a that was a move that was a pivotal move for the Cornhuskers in the fact that hey maybe Dylan actually does want to go play uh, with his dad on staff. Now we all know that co- college coaching is extremely volatile and one you know, one bad season and you're replacing your O-line coach and now you're stuck in, now you're stuck in Lincoln. So um, what I think 
might happen. I think he, I think he'll be able to hold his commitment. I, I don't know. Like I, I think he's got to think long term here. So if I'm Dylan, maybe I think that hey, what if this all ends for my dad? So going to play with your dad as the coach, as the offensive line coach, can't be the only reason you commit to a school because we all know, like I said, how volatile, how unpredictable, how fickle college coaching can be. Those guys move around like crazy. The, the way that coaching firings have happened, um, it has trickled down. You're starting to see NFL coaches getting fired like NBA coaches midway through the season. Like they can't even make it in halfway into the season, some of them. Uh, same with NBA coaches. Now you're starting to see college coaches get fired like NFL coaches used to, where if they don't produce right away, you got one season basically, and, and, and you could be out, right? There is no patience there. Now high school coaches – are getting the same level of patience and expectations that college coaches had. Now, a lot of these high school coaches are getting fired for not performing in high school. Don't get me started on high school and judging high school coaches because there's so many other factors uh, besides just the sport of football. If it was an even playing field, sure, you could judge wins and losses, but you can't, right? You can't. So I digress. You can't. I'm not going to get into high school football right here, but – what I'm, what I'm, my point is, what I'm trying to drive at, is that Dylan Raiola needs to make the best decision long term for himself, right? What is the best fit for him? What is the best fit for his future? Is that Georgia playing in the SEC with the NIL money that Georgia can provide, with the opportunities close by to Atlanta, the fact that they have been a football factory as far as cranking people out to the NFL? Does that all come into play? That's the reason he probably committed in the first place, right? Let's be honest. He's probably got a he's probably got a mega NIL deal on the table. He also probably has a pretty sizable chance of playing from day one and being a major pack factor in the NFL at the next level. So um, all that comes into all that comes into play, right? Now that doesn't mean Nebraska can't put NFL players out. Right? I'm not saying I'm not saying Georgia puts them out. Nebraska doesn't because the NFL, wherever you are, doesn't matter. If you're good enough, they're going to find you, right? Look at all these small college guys. So maybe that's off the table. I don't know. But there's a lot of decisions at hand. There's a lot of factors at hand when you're dealing with a decision of this magnitude, right? And we're going to we're gonna figure out at the early signing period, which I think is next week. I think it's the 20th. We're going to figure out at that point what Dylan Raiola does. So he's got a week. Coaches are – Coaches are hitting the recruiting trail hard. They're doing all their visits. They're doing everything they can in their power to get in their last-minute pitch of, hey, why you should come here, why you should go there. Like, all the college coaches are doing that. So Matt Rule's probably got a good sell. They've probably got a good package for him. It helps that his dad is the offensive line coach, so we'll see. Stay tuned. But Dylan Raiola is nothing short of, of uh, talent. And I will – I'll leave this topic on that – if he does end up committing to Nebraska, please, 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 please do not trash the kid. Do not trash Dylan. This is a tough decision, right? He's got a lot of factors to think about. Nebraska is a blue blood. Nebraska has a lot of tradition. Not lately, but they have a lot of tradition. His dad played there. His dad now coaches there. There's a lot that they have going in their favor. Matt Rule is a good coach. He, he, he flamed out for the Carolina Panthers. 
I think that's apples and oranges anyway. He was really good at Baylor. He's really good at building a program at the college level. I just think that's his that's just his thing. So I'm interested to see what he's gonna do with Nebraska in the new brand new Big Ten. So um, there's gonna be a lot of exposure in the brand new Big Ten as well. So maybe that factors in too. So please, please, please do not trash the kid. He's making a tough decision, like I said, and this will be something that he's gonna have to live with. And if he ends up going to Nebraska, I wish him well, except for when he plays Georgia or if they play Vanderbilt or if they play any team that, that I like, which is not many. But uh, as long as they're not playing Georgia, I will root for Dylan Royal to do well. All right. Um, but my prediction is I think Georgia's going to hold on the commitment because the SEC is the highest level of football. It is the highest level of training for the NFL. Um, and, and I think he will end up um, you know, I think he'll end up doing that. So um stay tuned for that that's happening next week probably so we'll know more about that we'll react to that as well so it's uh it's gonna get interesting it's gonna get real real interesting <clears throat> all right now that we got that out of the way uh the transfer it's, it's also transfer transfer portal season excuse me i got tongue-tied a little bit it's also transfer portal season so georgia has lost a lot into the portal right uh, most notably Brock Vandergrift. And I think as far as I know, I think he's the only one that's found a home so far. Um, he immediately signed to Kentucky, which who I'll be honest, that is a great, great pickup for Kentucky. I, I think that when you get a quarterback as athletic as Brock, as, uh, with a good of an arm as Brock, um, you know, he's, he's gotta be somewhat polished. Uh, he was polished coming out of high school. He just couldn't quite overtake Carson Beck for the starting quarterback job this year. Um, he was never gonna overtake Stetson Bennett, um, but he couldn't quite overtake Carson Beck for the, for the QB1 job. And uh, he may have been losing footing to Gunnar Stockton because I think both of those guys are supremely talented. Uh, Georgia's got a really good quarterback room and it was inevitable. It was just a matter of which one was gonna transfer, especially if, if Carson Beck decided to return for his last year of eligibility, which I think this is a sign that he probably is because I think if he was leaving and they knew that, then Brock Vandergriff would be there competing for the QB1 job at Georgia. I don't think he would have ever left. He's from Prince, He's from Athens, went to Prince Avenue. He's in a local guy. So the thought that he would leave wouldn't make sense if the QB1 job was going to be up for grabs, right? Maybe he loses in the spring. Maybe he goes in the spring transfer portal if he, if he were to lose out to Gunnar Stockton or Dylan Ryler or whoever the next quarterback is in that scenario. So um, – Nonetheless, Brock Vandergriff did a great, great job at Kentucky. Uh, so I'm excited to see kind of what he does. I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I think he'll do do, do well. Um, I hope he goes 11-1 every year, um, and does and, and that one is against Georgia. Um, I'm just going to root for my team. Um, I'm, I'm going to root for him to throw for a bunch of yards, but uh, not score enough points to beat Georgia. So um, that's that's one. Jackson Meeks was one that I was. Somewhat surprised with, well, I was surprised and not surprised. They recruited over him in the portal a little bit. He had some opportunity, but it just didn't quite work out for him uh, in, in, as far as the, the playing time goes. I, I think with with what plagued him is I just don't think he was explosive enough, right? He's a really big frame, really big target, really phys pretty physical guy on the, on the edge. I think Israel was, was very impressed with him when he went in the spring, but it just – you know, he, he just, I guess he just felt like he needed to jump away for a little bit. 
to uh, to be able to find some opportunity to get some good playing time. So uh, I think when you uh, when you go and and you look at that um, those factors, I, I think it it makes total total sense. So um, Jackson Meeks is one that I'm not thrilled that we lost. Wish he would have stayed. I think he's going to be really good. I can't wait to see kind of where he ends up, right? I can't wait to see kind of where he ends up. So um, I am uh, I'm excited to see that. Uh, there's 15 total, if you believe that. All right, so there's 15 total guys. So uh, Jackson Meeks, actually, update, signed with Syracuse. I just refreshed it. The update is that he signed with Syracuse, okay? And uh, that's a great get for them, right? That's going to be a really, really good fit for that. So, um, yes, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm also reading about Dylan Raiola. There's some updates that will happen uh, frantically between now and then. There's uh, They're hearing, this is according to Jed May uh, with UJSports.com, they're hearing that Dylan Raiola is not coming to Georgia, so brace yourself for that. Um, there's nothing is finalized, and this thing could change on a dime. It could probably change four or five times today, even. But uh, as we continue to get information on that, uh, I, I think um, I think it's I think the Dylan Raiola dream of of him playing in a Georgia uniform is at least going to be delayed a year or two um, because I think he's going to end up signing with Nebraska. Um, and the only chance would be if he ever hit the portal and uh, and and got to us that way. So um, it's looking a little bleak there, but again, that's the update. Jed May, UJSports.com, about a minute ago, um, put uh, put that out. So um, you heard it here first. All right, Austin Austin Blasky is also an Alu Ba are two names from the offensive line that are in the portal. So no big losses there. Austin Blasky was actually looking for some starting playing time. Uh, but when I say no big losses, I mean loss in quantity, not quality. Uh, Blasky is a really good offensive lineman. And wherever he lands, is going to they're going to benefit immediately. So Austin Blasky, go to Vanderbilt. All right. Uh, Darius Smith, outside linebacker. Um, kind of surprised about that one, but I guess he wanted some opportunity. I guess he felt like he wasn't getting – um, any 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 look, especially as thin as we were at that position. Uh, defensive lineman Jonathan Jefferson signed with SMU. Um, good, uh, that, that'd be a good get for them. Uh, CJ Madden, uh, also another outside linebacker. Uh, so it looks like we're gonna have to uh, looks like we're gonna have to hit the portal for for outside linebacker. Um, that's gonna be a, a position of need. Jared Zirkle. No surprise there. Uh, lost his battle to Peyton Woodring. Uh, would also like to go kick somewhere. Don't blame him there. Cornerback uh, Nyland Green. That one stings, man. That's our guy. That's the official Believe in Georgia Dogs cornerback. That's our guy, Nyland Green. That's Israel's guy, especially. Um, so that that one hurts a little bit. Uh, Makai Muse. Um, looked like we saw in real time him losing his punt return job. Um, in the SEC championship, so uh, not much uh, run at wide receiver. He's going to look to get an opportunity somewhere. Certainly don't blame him there. Uh, don't know where where he's leaning, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. 
Uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see kind of where he lines up. Uh, EJ Lightsey and Xavier Sori at the linebacker position. Uh, those guys, um, Xavier Sori had a lot of promise coming coming out of IMG. Um, bounced around between inside and outside linebacker. Uh, couldn't quite get his footing. Uh, I guess just needs a fresh start, fresh opportunity. When you have a when you have a, a giant group of five stars, you're going to lose guys. You're going to lose some talented guys, um, and and this list looks like it hurts, but uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast here. Um, you're you're going to lose some guys. So Xavier Sori is one of those that I hate to see go. I thought he had a lot of potential. I guess it never really worked out, and or at least in his mind, it never really worked out. So. Um, and just a disclaimer, I wish all of these guys well. They 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 did they did their best and they tried their hardest for for University of Georgia and and uh, that's where we're going to leave it. Uh, Logan Thomas, Zed Haynes, and Jameer Moden are the others that are in the portal um, as well. So uh, those are the guys that are in. Um, Chad Lindbergh is somebody that could be in. Uh, Gunnar Stockton is not. He's going to stay. Uh, I think those are the only ones. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll update you as as we go. So Gunnar um, Stockton staying. I, I was hoping we weren't going to have another Vanderbilt situation. So um, I was hearing rumors of, of us landing AJ Swan in the portal too. So that could that could lend itself to us adding depth after potentially losing Dylan Iola. So stay tuned for that. Right. Um, Transfer portal. It's a, it's a crazy thing with the portal. You know, it's uh, so many in, so many out. It just, it makes it difficult. You know, and I'll tell, I'll, I'll talk about some, some, uh, some additions here uh, coming soon as well. Uh, but it just makes it so hard to kind of get connected with these guys like you could in the uh, back in the day, and uh, it just makes it difficult there. So. Uh, we got some comments here. So, Derek, um, how are we looking with ETN and Humphreys? Uh, is Georgia in good shape with them? So, Derek, if you're still if you're still on with me, uh, yes, very good shape. I think London Humphreys and uh, ETN. I think they both end up as as dogs. I was just about to get into potential portal updates. So, um, I think ETN has been all dog since he since he entered the portal. I think he had that in mind. He was very close to signing here. Uh, out of high school, picked Florida instead. Um, but I, I think he he is. Uh, I think he's definitely in. Uh, Humphreys, uh, I think he's in too. Uh, I, I, that's my prediction. Uh, there's not there's not been any updates that would be definitive on yes he's signing with Georgia. But I think from the start he wants to get elite receiver development, and he's seeing what we're doing at that position with with BMAC and the way that those guys are being developed and the way those guys are making plays. I think the biggest guy they saw that, that made some – I think what people are seeing is like guys like Ra-Ra Thomas who, you know, they're a certain receiver in a specific scheme, and they come in and they make, they make plays. Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkie. Like, Lad McConkie was not supposed to succeed coming out of high school. If, if he listened to all his doubters, he was too small, too – you know, all the things that you would expect out of a three-star receiver – not national championship caliber guys. Like that's why you're rated as a three-star because that's like kind of where you're projected. But that's also lends itself to say, 
this thing ain't an exact science either, right? Guys way overperform their projections. And some guys, there's some five stars that perform like two stars, and there's some two stars that are Hall of Famers. Like, it works both ways. And there's five stars that are five stars and Hall of Famers. There's two stars that are two stars. So you just got to kind of kind of go. London Humphreys sees that, sees the way these guys are improving as they step foot in, in on campus, and he's gonna he's gonna see that hey, I can get a, I can get a piece of that pie. So he wants development um, at that position. I think he will certainly get it. Uh, Etn, that guy's elite. And since since we're gonna since we're since we got so thin at running back real quick, there is absolutely room for him to come in. And I think losing Dejon Edwards is a is, is a big deal. Um, you know, I think when he graduates, you got to have somebody next in line. Trevor Etienne is that guy. He's he's going to waste away at Florida, right? Because they're going to go through one more year of Billy Napier, which to me not the answer. You're going to go through another year of a coaching surge, getting a brand new coach, somebody you got to get used to. Man, I'm going to go to this well-established, well-oiled machine that just cranks out running backs. And so I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And I think those two guys are definitely, definitely dogs. And I'm, I'm fired up too, Derek. I, I really am. So um, with, with a few minutes left in, in, um, in this program, um, let's take a look at the season that was um, leading up to the Orange Bowl. Um, it was a really, really good season, really positive season with a lot of potential and it just didn't end the way that we wanted it to. Right. Um, and, and it left a lot of sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Right. Um, you go through the season, you, you play down to your competition and then you, when you get up for, for an opponent, you, you blow the doors off of them. And the way the sec championship was, and I, I think it was a lot, I had a lot to do with it being Nick Saban I think it had a lot to do with just kind of how we played Alabama over the over the last five times we played them, one and four over the last five. Uh, just how we play them, how tight we play them, how how tight we get with play calling, things like that. And that might be more on Kirby as far as like how he is dictating how how the flow of the game is going to go. But if you look at how Mike Bobo called that game, if you look at how conservatively. Uh, when Schumann called that game, and then you look at all the other past games, it does match up. The last time we lost was a similar type game where you're left scratching your head. You're like, we haven't played that way all year. What are we doing? And to, to say Bobo is terrible and trash and all that stuff is, is a complete lie because he's not. He's a really good coordinator. Um, but sometimes I think when you get out of rhythm, it's very easy to say, let's go conservative until we kind of figure it out. And then we just never really figure it out because getting, getting your tail kicked up front doesn't exactly help you too, too much. So um, I, I'm, I was very kind of – I was disappointed with the, the game plan that we came out with because the first series, the first scripted series, we marked right down 83 yards and, and put it across the goal line. And I thought that was how the game was going to go. And it didn't the rest of the way. Because I think we were banged up, we knew we were banged up, and we played like we were banged up and trying to protect. And it's just not the case. And I think we should have came out aggressive 
because this was a win or not be in the playoff type situation. So I, I think in those scenarios, you do have to go down swinging a little bit. And I don't feel like we did. And then when we finally did, it was too little too late. So, um, yeah, we look very, very sharp. And I, I think when you when you when you break it down like that, it's like, OK, you know, why do we. So you got to kind of get back to the root of the problem. Why do we play so conservatively against Alabama? Well, they're good, right? We know that. We know we're not going to be able to get some of the same same looks and same shots that we were we could get on Kentucky. You'll miss, you know, some of the other some of the other teams on our schedule. Like we knew that, right? And we knew we were going to probably have to run a little bit more to kind of set some things up. We knew we'd probably have a little bit more success in the run game after what Auburn did. And I guarantee they looked at that game plan and said, "Hey, we can do the same thing," uh, which is definitely not true. Um, Auburn. Auburn's a weird team, but and that's a weird game usually in that stadium. So uh, I, I think when you look at kind of how our game plan was constructed, we thought we could run. We were stubborn with it. We should have we should have backed off and threw a little bit more to maybe try to open some things up. And we did later in the game, probably a little too late um, in the game to to open some things up and, and push the ball downfield. But it just wasn't just wasn't just wasn't meant to be. Um, Brock Bowers was just – he was probably 60% of Brock Bowers. But but I'll say this, 60% of Brock Bowers is probably better than most tight end options out there, right? Um, defensively, we had a lot of breakdowns and coverage. I still don't understand why we're not communicating very well. I think we're overloaded in the secondary, truthfully, with coverages and matching coverages with uh, with with pressures. I think we're overloaded there and we, we, we lose contact, especially when you're rotating a lot of guys in. Things get lost in translation, which means the consequence of that is Isaiah Bond is left wide open for big plays, big chunk plays. So um, going into the – going into not the Sugar Bowl, we're not playing in the Sugar Bowl, we're playing in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. Going into the Florida State game, I think we need to get back to basics, win up front, protect, and then just do our thing. Right, get in a rhythm, mix it up a little bit, right? Because you, you know, er, early things. And we'll, I'll break down Florida State, but I can't. You can't really break down anything until you know who's playing, who's not playing, who's opting out, who's 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 staying. Like, there's so many guys in the transfer portal. Like, you just don't know what this team's gonna look like. So, an early look at the Orange Bowl would would simply, I think Georgia's gonna be double digit favorites coming into it. First of all because Florida State's on their backup quarterback and our defense is what it is. Um, I think with Carson Beck and some of the guys that are healthy and not opting out, I think that you will see um, – I think you'll see some big plays being made, like Oscar Delp I think will be a big factor. Ra-Ra Thomas I think is – guys that are looking for tape, guys that are looking to get evaluated, they're not going to opt out. Guys that are on the fringe of like – let's say you're like – potentially a seventh round guy and you want to jump into early fifth round or possibly a day two spot, you're going to play. You're going to play. You're going to get tape out there. And you're not going to opt out of this game because it's a meaningful opponent. And so when, when you do that, it's uh, it's something that you got to look at. But once you, once I get kind of uh, once myself and, and Israel, who's not, who's not with us right now, um, once we kind of get an idea of who's opting out and who's actually going to play in this game, uh, we'll probably get a more accurate breakdown. But I think just overall, defensively, I think you got to simplify it a little bit, right? I think you have to make sure your gap sound, put guys in position to make plays, right? That's the, that's the key to the game, right? You can scheme all you want. 
But if guys aren't there and they're not communicating, they're not there to make the play. And guess who's making the play? The other team, right? And there's some there's some pressures and there's some things that where you're sacrificing a little bit of coverage to hopefully get home uh, to the quarterback. And I think there's a few of those pressures uh, in the SEC championship that we didn't get home on and left our guys out to dry. So some of that is on the front seven, not getting the pressure on the quarterback, which some of the some of the schemes call for that, and some of the schemes call for max protection. So where you had Gerald Milro basically making a uh, ham sandwich back there while he was waiting on things to open up. So, um, but uh, that's where I'm going to kind of leave it. We're going to preview Florida, the Florida State game more as we go. Um, as news breaks with Dylan Riola, we'll get you we'll get you that information as more things break with the portal, um, with the other guys in the portal both incoming and outgoing uh, once ETN and Humphreys makes their decision, which I'm saying dog, uh, once they make their decisions, we'll let you know. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down. Um, all of that uh, in future episodes. And then, and then uh, once basketball starts their conference slate, we'll, we'll start digging into a little bit more basketball. They've been impressive. They've had a really nice non-conference uh, slate. Uh, they're doing some really good things in recruiting as well. We're going to talk all of that uh, once some of this portal and recruiting stuff is out of the way. Um, and then we'll, we'll get more into that as, as we go. But I'm going to wrap that. I'm going to leave this right there. Uh, Dylan Riola, it's going to come down to the wire. Um, unfortunately, I think he's leaning Nebraska um, after moving to Buford, after all of that. Um, I think he's going to lean towards Nebraska. So hopefully Ryan Puglisi, Puglisi, I think is how you say his name. I'll have to learn how to say his name. I'm not there yet. Um, I think he's going to have to be the guy, the factor. But he's a five star, so he's no slouch. He's not anything. He's not a. He's not a backup guy. He's not a uh, consolation prize, as you would say. Um, he, he's actually a really good quarterback. So um, I think I'm, I'm excited about that, and um, excited about to see what's going to happen with the portal. And hopefully, uh, this thing just keeps on rolling. Trust in Kirby uh, is, is always has been my motto since 2017. Trust in Kirby. He's going to get us to the, in the right spots most of the time, which is what you want in this league because everybody else is good too. So, um, But with that, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, this is the Believe in George Dogs podcast on the Believe Network presented by betonline.ag. We'll see you back here next week, hopefully with Israel um, right beside me, and we'll talk about all of this and more on the Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network. But until then, go dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.